Helvetia Rocked is a Swiss national association raising awareness about gender inequality in the music industry while supporting, promoting and connecting professional female, inter, non-binary and trans artists. Through its grassroots projects such as producing, DJing, band workshops and songwriting camps, it offers platforms for young people of all levels to discover music and be part of an empowering community. Find out more on our website helvetziarocked.ch Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. Musicians in Conversation is sponsored by Sweezer, the cooperative society of music authors and publishers in Switzerland. Hi everyone, welcome to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. My name's Natalia Anderson and I'm a presenter, content creator and DJ. In this episode of Musicians in Conversation, I'm talking to Jessie Kwa, who is a producer, composer and performer. She's also a coach at the Helvetia Rocked Music Lab Beatmaking Workshop. Not only that, Jessica is the composer of the theme music that you hear throughout season two of this podcast. We discuss learning to collaborate after working alone for years, Jess's experience writing music for television, and the role of streaming platforms when it comes to artists' creativity. Jess also shares with us two of her tracks and answers an audience question. Don't forget, if you have a question for one of our coaches, simply send a direct message to Helvetia Rocked on Instagram. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Jessica. Hi, I'm Jessica, and you're listening to Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation. Hi, Jess, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. Good. Well, likewise, we've got the same energy there. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily. Luckily. Thank you so much, though, for joining me here at Musicians and Conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, listen, I'm going to start with the question that I ask everyone, and that is, how did you get started on your musical journey? You know, I've actually been thinking about this um, for the last couple of weeks. Music's always been present in my life. Like, if I was going to record a soundscape for you of my childhood, my dad playing guitar somewhere in the house would be in the background. It's just, like, been yeah. always there. Even today, when I call my mom <laughs> uh, on Skype in Australia, there's always just my dad playing in the background. <laughs> so I think I think my dad had a huge influence, but also my mom bringing, bringing records home, especially, like, I have this definite memory of reading the lyrics of Alanis Morissette on the couch with my mom. And I think there was she was planting seeds there, she you know. Was, oh, I'm loving mum. Yeah. I'm loving mum. What a great artist to be introduced yeah. to. Yeah. So there was that. But I um I ended up dancing actually because I would always get up and dance around the living room and I had a lot of energy. I still have a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um so my mum was like I'm sending you to dance classes. But then like, there was still that very intimate, even through dance and through my body, there was a very intimate relationship with, with music, with music there. And um, yeah, even though I didn't start making music until my teens, I just feel like, yeah, music's always been there. Yeah, yeah. What, um, what spurred that decision to actually make music for you in your teens? 
Um, it was actually when my family moved. My father's Swiss and my mom's Australian. And so I grew up in Australia. But then when I was, I just turned 15 and my, my dad moved back to Switzerland and we kind of went with him. Wow. And uh, that was very hard for me at that age <laughs> and uh, like leaving behind all my friends and also my dance school where I was at the time. And I really, I really rebelled <laughs> wow. as you do at that age. But like it was even, yeah, it was tough. And I didn't dance as much, but I think I just needed like a creative outlet um, for all those emotions I was going through. Mm. And my parents set up an upright piano in the living room and I was... It's funny because they tried to send me to piano lessons when I was a kid, but at it was the timing was right. I guess you just you know you never know like when the yeah. urge is going to strike. No, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I was just drawn to the piano, and it ended up just started writing songs. Yeah, it's That's crazy. Wonderful. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's so true that the timing is the the catalyst for a lot of creativity. Yes, because you could be surrounded by instruments and whatever, and you might play around with it and whatever but when the time's right when mm -hmm. your brain just clicks like this is the moment I'm actually gonna just actually pursue obviously. and it's your own determinism like yeah. it comes from you it's not someone else saying you should do that that's right <laughs> yeah so aged 15 you discover the piano mm -hmm. for yourself and then what was happening? Were you taking lessons and were you writing for yourself what did that look like I discovered Tori Amos on a, my older brother's old iPod, which he left behind. He told me <laughs> that it was his trash. It was my treasure. Love um, that. Yeah, I uh, I really fell in love with her. And she was kind of like, she was my role model um, mm. for throughout all my teens. I wanted to become kind of like a singer-songwriter yeah. like her and wrote songs on the piano and started a band with my schoolmates and my younger brother. So what happened then? So you you went you you had your uh, group with your mm -hmm. your friends and your brother. Yeah. Did they continue music or is it just you? How did you? Uh, what was that like to to continue? Um. I moved back to Australia after school, and so I wasn't playing with them anymore. That's when I actually I decided to record an album, and I went. And I met like a, a friend there who had a sort of a home studio situation happening and we went to record. And that's kind of um, through working with him when I discovered actually what production is yeah, and what the role of the producer is. And I realized I want that role. <laughs> I mean, he was working with Logic and I would just sort of sit behind him, like look over his shoulder and see what he was doing. And I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't that hard. And by the end of the project, like the last few songs of the album, I was just like, oh, I'll sit here. I'll do it. Don't worry. Yeah. I already know what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and and I just, you know, yeah, ended up paying him for the studio time. But yeah. And um, that was, I mean, it, it took so long. I was like in my, I would have been in my early 20s then. And it took that long for me to realize, hey, you know, I don't need to sort of go into a studio with all these dudes like working the knobs and the buttons and stuff so yeah. I can record my album. I can just do it myself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's when I decided to make my own studio. I love that. When it comes to the studio, you see majority like guys in the in a room like and it looks so important and like I'm going to click yeah. here and <laughs> you know and and oftentimes people minimize themselves but mm -hmm. actually if you 
I like how you did it. You know, you're paying attention, you're watching what's going on Mm -hmm. and then you're deciphering it for yourself and going, actually, this doesn't look too difficult. Yeah, I think that's just it. There's a there's a huge difference between collaborating and having people sort of run the show for you. Yeah. And at that time, I was very much resisting people running my show. And now I'm learning, okay, I figured that out. And what could collaborating look like? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I love that you had that experience, though. It's almost like the reverse. A lot of people start off with this sort of collaborative thing and then they want to have that sort of individual identity. But you were very strong. But I love it that you had your ideas and you were quite firm on that and you allowed yourself to grow within yourself Mm -hmm. and within Mm -hmm. your um, creativity. I think, I mean, I thank my parents until today that they instilled that self-confidence in yeah. me. I think that's largely due to them as well. Mm. And yeah, they can blame themselves for my rebellious spirit. <laughs> 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 Joke's on you. <laughs> I love it. If you are involved in music as a hobby, profession or both, Sign up for free on the Helvetia Rocked Music Directory. It's a platform for women, non-binary, trans and intersex people in the Swiss music industry. For singers, instrumentalists, bookers, managers, sound engineers, photographers and many more of all levels. It's about visibility. It's about community. It's about empowerment. We invite all of you to participate in the project. For further information, go to musicdirectory.ch. So you mentioned that you did dance um, before, but you see a lot of dance in your visual mm-hmm. uh, representation mm-hmm. of your music. Yeah. So that I'm guessing that was like a conscious choice for you to, to bring that... Um, element yeah well I'd, I'd, I would never want to let go of dance mm. or movement in general um, and funnily enough one of the ways that I know that one of my songs is finished is I just have to get up oh, I <laughs> <laughs> and I just put it on and then I start dancing like I'm always the first person to dance to my own music and that's always when I know okay yeah. it's done that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant yeah and obviously my show is very performance based as well I love seeing this sort of futuristic vibe from you, like got the sort of the neon colours, and then you've yeah. got like your you've got like a control pad, like a pack. Yeah. What, what is that? What is <laughs> Can you funny. describe? Everybody asks me about. I mean, it's basically a wireless MIDI controller, and it was designed for DJs, and they've already discontinued it because like no one was buying them. It was oh, no. <laughs> DJs are stuck in their ways. They're like, I just need a table. Yeah. I'm standing here. Well, I mean, when you think about it, like a wireless MIDI controller. Controller, I maybe a DJ would like be able to walk away and get a drink and come back. And <laughs> put on a full, put on a ten minute song and then go to the bar and then like, yeah 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 know, maybe stuck. and maybe some de- well most DJs are like well I'm not going to do that um, but yeah I wanted to be able to dance and sing and still be in control of my set so yeah. that's kind of um, I ended up buying three of those orbits they're called um, before they like sold out because I realized that they'd been discontinued and yeah so but it looks so it looks like I said it looks so futuristic and uh, like what what draws you to this sort of aesthetic 
Um, well, it's definitely the influence of like Japanese anime and manga and comics and sci-fi in general. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also, I just, I guess in my mind as a person, I'm always living slightly in the future. Yeah. And maybe not always in a good way. I think sometimes I find reality of now, the reality of now hard to bear. Um, and part of me is drawn to the future as like a sort of a type of escapism, mm. escapism, but also because I just like to create, you know, imagine the world that I want to live in in the future. Mm. And uh, part of my that is a big part of my music because I feel like often with my music, I'm creating the music that I want to listen to the music that I feel like is missing in the world and in the future. And it has like this sort of futuristic touch, I think, because I, that's kind of where I see myself. That's yeah. where I'm living in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going on to uh, your music, the first song we are going to listen to is pop star. Yes. <laughs> Why were you drawn to to write a song like this? I was thinking in the train, how should I tell the story of this song? Because um, it's hard to tell like what people would want to know about how a song starts. But this song started when I was sitting on the toilet in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and there was like a postcard stuck on the wall mm. which said so many clocks so so little time is what it said and I was like okay that sounds like one of those sort of cliched sayings in yeah. English and I kind of hate them and then I, I was just sort of sitting there and I was like so many cocks so little time <laughs> I sort of chuckled to myself <laughs> and then that ended up well, the first line of the song now is so many cocks so little radio time and um, so I ended up taking, for all the lyrics of this song, taking sort of like cliche to English sayings and per like perverting them or changing them in yeah. a way to like tell, um, sort of tell a story. And it's called Pop Star because while I do take a serious jab at the music industry in this song, it's kind of also about myself struggling with m my musical integrity, um, sort of battling between the side of just wanting to do whatever I want and whatever I feel like um, is right for the music, but also having now entered the music industry and feeling like there are expectations mm -hmm. to make money, to be marketable, mm -hmm. um, and what that actually means for my musical process. And then sometimes not knowing where where is the line. Like, did I choose to make this beat in this way because I felt it was more... Um, palatable yeah <laughs> or was it just the what what I felt I wanted to do and like how is my music influenced by my desire to be liked actually yeah. and appreciated yeah 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 you've got um there's a line uh tell me the rules of the game tell me how do I play yes I love that <laughs> because it feels like it really feels like there are rules yeah that nobody tells you mm-hmm and it feels like you can see other people and it's like they've got it like but mm -hmm. but what is the answer and i love mm -hmm. the fact that coming from you because i think that you have 
like I see you as a successful artist, you know, but the fact that you still have the question, tell me the rules of the game, it means that, to me, it means that maybe there is no answer. Like, mm-hmm. even someone like Jessica is still grappling with this sort of thing. So I think it's such a, for, from my perspective, I think it's such a wonderful um, uh, dialogue to have and for young people to see, like, actually, maybe there aren't no rules. But, but what what is your, why did you include that? Well... You say, I, I mean, I definitely am grappling with it. <laughs> it's, mm. I mean, I, I went into this sort of music making thinking that it was good to be as original as possible and to actually avoid genres. And now I'm finding out, you know, genres, uh, avoiding genres is not a good thing mm-hmm. because then the Spotify algorithm doesn't know where to place you. Right. And it's kind of like, there's some really hard growing pains happening at the moment. And I'm sort of looking looking into the stories of, of great artists like Bowie or something who, you know, made really weird, wonderful stuff. And then it was kind of like, okay, but if I want to make it big, I have to adjust. And a huge part of me is like, no, why do I have to adjust? <laughs> why do I have to compromise? You know, that's my rebellious spirit. I hate that. Yeah. And at yeah, at the same time, it's like rent's got to be paid. So um, I'm considering various solutions, like maybe having multiple projects, which encompass encompass different things. Yeah. Um, it's not that I hate pop music. I mean, I like pop music. Um, it's just that whenever I try to write pop music, my heart takes me in a different direction. Yeah. yeah it's it's tough. It's a tough. One. Yeah. It's a tough one. And I also love your um the, the other line. I'm sorry I'm picking out lines from your song, but oh, this that's one really nice feeling I, <laughs> for someone to do so. Well, I, I laughed at I was like, This just she knows <laughs> this bit. Uh, songs are like a box of condoms you never know which one's gonna break (laughs) that to me I was like this girl ain't messing about she's coming for next she's 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 coming she's coming for your wigs man she's snatching (laughs) she's snatching Um, but yeah I love it and and it sort of goes back to what you were saying about like the cliches using like a mm -hmm. you know yeah life is like a box of chocolates yeah (laughs) yeah well you really do never know which condom is gonna break Right. And, and yeah, well, I, I came up with that because I needed a word that worked like with in the sense of like bands breaking or yeah. a song like breaking yeah. for yeah. a band. And um, yeah, and that's kind of that's me sort of sitting in my studio making song after song going wondering like, is this going to be the yeah, one? Which one? <laughs> I don't know. And I love every song. But uh, yeah, you never know which one. You never know how it's. Um, going to be received on the other side yeah exactly well let's take this opportunity to listen to your first track which is pop star Biased man, 
There's no use crying over an oil spill If hooks could kill, we'd foot the bill Can't teach in our business new tricks Rebels and money don't mix Songs are like a box of condoms You never know which one's gonna break Suck on it, I'm done. Stop screaming, just calm down. Baby girl, you're a star now. some of the ways that you can earn money from making music well I think people who start making music and want to earn money with it will find that there's not just one source that will cover everything for you Um, one could be playing shows obviously um, and that's been great for me at least until Corona came along um it's also a good way to keep funding your projects and stuff. Then, obviously, there's radio play and, like, having your songs streaming yeah. and stuff. Um, but I'm actually going to say, like, the thing that I've discovered recently, and it, which I also even discovered that it's really fun, um, is also writing for external projects or like TV, um, film. Yeah. That's kind of something that I want to get into. Actually, my my dream project would be to write music for a game, for a video game. Oh, that, that would, would be, be so you. Yeah, I know oh, it would, wouldn't yes. it? <laughs> I'm just like, why hasn't this happened yet? You know, it's I'm We are I'm made it into this. the atmosphere. You are totally <laughs> made for this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I wrote music for my sports, like the sports television um, channel yeah. in Switzerland um, for like all their openers. Um, How does that work? Do they come to you with uh, an idea of um, what they're looking for in terms of like even down to like BPM and stuff like that, even down to like the the pace of a song or how much how much input do they have? Um they had actually quite a good idea of what they wanted. And I, I was very lucky because um, the creative director um, at My Sports is also a supporter of my work, like or already previously. Um, he had sort of discovered my music and then gave me that opportunity as soon as it arose in the company. And um, 
he definitely, since he kind of knew my style, right, knew what direction that he wanted me to take it in, and also guided me through the. So there was a process where I would really like be delivering demo after demo, and then he'd be like, "I like this direction, not this direction." Oh, so, wow. and that yeah. is actually kind of a blessing because mm. it's really hard if someone comes up to you and says, "I want you to write some music." do whatever you want and that can actually make it harder because if you have no idea what the expectations are and it's a paid job you might spend a long time working on a piece of music and then deliver it and then they're like oh no that's not what I imagined when I hired you and uh, then you kind of have to start again so that collaboration really worked out yeah they wanted three moods so they wanted one to go with the hockey and they wanted one to go with the other sports shows that they had like biking um and is this all in the same track so i ended up delivering like three tracks which had the same original beat but then like different vocals on each one Mm. um and the hockey one had like horns in it to make it sound a bit more like sort of a fighting spirit yeah um, and then the next one had sort of more smoother humming vocals. Um, but yeah, the, the beat was actually the same, which was really interesting when you think about it because the beat the beat being the same, but then each mood ending up so different just mm. because of the vocals that I – the vocals and the harmonics that I put on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it, and it's fascinating seeing that type of um, – process and approach to making music which I can see it feels very different to maybe when you're approaching an album or approaching an EP or something where you don't have like an external uh, opinion or voice to work towards but I can see that it's quite it's quite fascinating actually to and challenging maybe it was well it was challenging in the way that like working up to it Obviously, I was thrilled to be able to, like, actually compose music for television. And at the same time, I was kind of freaking out. I was like, can I take orders from someone? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And also, you know, the main, the main product that they, that they show on, on, their, on their TV station is hockey. And I was like, ice hockey. And I have no idea about ice <laughs> yeah. hockey. And I'm supposed to write music about it. Um, and I was just kind of like looking up videos on YouTube and, but it, what it, it made clear to me that it is possible for me to work with others. Mm. Firstly, work with someone else's vision and sort of like combine it with my style yeah, and also delve into a world that is just completely foreign to me and make sort of like an acoustic, uh, I'd say more like a soundscape yeah. out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a huge win for me. That was like a boost of confidence. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Something that we spoke about a bit off air, which I wanted to bring up here with you, is um, the role of, say, streaming platforms mm-hmm. uh, for <laughs> the artists. No, let's get real. Like, this right. is the time. If you want to rant, let's, let's you know, okay. I'm giving you a, a, a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, what is it like from, you know, I think a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast are artists themselves, but also mm-hmm. consume music mm-hmm. um, and might not know the realities of being a musician and an artist in this particular era of the streaming mm-hmm. and what it means for the creative process. Mm-hmm. Can you speak about how 
what the effects on your creativity this has had? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's cool that you start with the with the aspect of creativity because a lot of people want to talk about money when it comes to streaming, which is obviously also um, a very difficult and problematic uh, topic. But in terms of creativity, like for example, um, in my in my scene, a lot of us are talking about how there's this expectation now that your song will hit the chorus within 30 seconds of the song. I can't. Oh, I cannot even. And that 30 seconds is not a long time. It's that that <laughs> that actually blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I've been cutting my intros down to like to half, and then it really um. Yeah, it just really sucks when you're sitting in the studio and you're having a good time and you're just playing with sounds and you're making something really awesome. And then, you know, like four hours later, you're like, this is awesome. And then you look down at the time bar and it's like, oh, it's 40 seconds until the chorus starts. (laughs) And it's like this massive downer. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess this isn't a Spotify single, you know. But does that mean it's bad music? No. No. (laughs) I think we can both agree that that's not how you judge a song. I mean, the 30 seconds isn't the only aspect of it. I mean, yeah. I touched on genre before. Yeah. Um you know, my song my songs are never going to get picked up for like a deep house playlist or a pop playlist or I'm somewhere in between all mm. these different genres and so it's uh Yeah. The part of me is like, well, you know, just take four chords and write a pop song. And the other part of me is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> the part of me that wants to, you know, make money and get get on pot- Spotify, Spotify. Playlists, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like, because as a consumer, I've – I can see the value of a playlist because, you know, mm-hmm. they do it in moods like, mm-hmm. oh, afternoon, Sunday afternoon, chill mm-hmm. or study, you know, and or uh, you know, acoustic guitar. So I can just go, oh, I'm in this mood and yeah. I just let it go and I don't have to think anything more about it. Or I like this artist, I'm going to let the radio for the artist play. But you don't you don't really consider the impact it has for working musicians who have to even make it onto these playlists in order to get a boost in mm-hmm. plays or even to be heard by an audience yeah. and if you're not like you say if you're not fitting into what they've predetermined as what their categories are mm-hmm. it can be quite disheartening I could imagine yeah and I think I think the most disheartening thing about it is that you have these you have these real people behind this music, you know, pouring their heart and soul and time and energy yeah. into into what they make. And then people sort of just like rip through a playlist and they don't know the artists that are on the playlist. Yeah. They're just there like for the mood, as you said. And then but they're not really gonna care about like that person and their story behind the song. Um which is uh it's hard for independent artists from like a marketing perspective because if people aren't gonna through a playlist you know find out who you are and follow like follow you on social media or check out your other tracks or buy your album online if they're just done with you Mm. after you know going through that playlist then 
you're never going to get anywhere and you're yeah. never going to you're never going to gain traction and you're never going to build up a following of real supporters because in the end it is you know the fans the real supporters who keep uh, musicians going the people who pay to like go see you live for mm. example yeah yeah um i don't see that connection being made on these playlists, at least rarely. Yeah. You know, you're listening to a playlist and then um, you don't necessarily go and find out who that person is yeah. so you could go see them live. I think that w- this could be a good opportunity to to tell people to do just that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. because sometimes we're so, we don't know. I mean, sometimes people honestly have to be told, like, mm-hmm. this is how you can properly support an artist you know you hear someone on a playlist and if you like it go straight to their spotify oh sorry go straight to their uh, socials follow Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. find out when the gigs are yeah buy their music support their uh you know go to a gig i do i do agree with you to a certain extent and at the same time i think not just with music but um with 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 other products it's really hard to place responsibility on the consumer to like do the right thing right because generally i think people are going to follow the flow of the way the way the product is offered to them yeah and if if streaming services aren't creating that space where it's easy for consumers to do what yeah, we just spoke about that's true um they're actually actively discouraging that behavior why isn't it that we because we don't see on spotify we don't have an immediate place to click a link to go straight to an instagram right right that doesn't exist does it i don't have spotify so oh, shit. <laughs> i do i'm evil oh my god i'm on the dark side i'm sorry like i uh, i'm kind of like i'm not giving them my money <laughs> well, do you know what me money. <laughs> i'm not paying for my account yeah. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> no but, i but mean the, I, I think on the interface i don't think yeah. that exists right if okay. i'm yeah. well maybe i need to look again but if they did but but it, but the technology's there mm. the technology is there, so if they did want to promote like, i mean this they can do whatever they of, want no. yeah yeah the other thing that I found out recently about Spotify is that even if you, because I was listening to a, a band from Lucerne actually, um, Cicela Bonga, I really like them, and uh, I was thinking, this is actually when I um, stopped using Spotify for good. I was thinking, yeah, I'm giving these guys plays. I was also using like a non-paid account. And then I found out that, you know, they put basically all their revenue into a pot and then they split it, they divide it up sort of like by percentage based on who's getting how many plays. So that the play, it, I don't remember the specifics, but basically like even if you're giving plays to sort of an obscure band, right? Um, part of the money that Spotify earns from you clicking play on that band might still be will still be given to like a huge artist such as Drake or something. What? Yeah. Yeah, cuz they don't divide it up exactly by play. Oh my god. Yeah, so it's <laughs> the really the These way to s- Yeah, the way to support your favorite local artists is to go see them live and buy their merch and support them on Patreon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, everyone do that. It yeah. takes takes more work, but um, yeah, it means all the world to us. I've got a question, audience question for you. 
from Mwika Broadbeck. And it okay. says, um, how do you constantly progress? How do you constantly progress? And then in brackets, is it practicing, watching other artists? Hmm. I think this person is interested in maybe not staying the same or, you know, I don't know. What What's your interpretation yeah. of that question and how do you constantly progress? Yeah. I think I've progressed in terms of technical ability. Um, just not like knowing my production tricks better and audio engineering which is sort of you pick that up through making mistakes which I guess brings me to the main point um I listened to one of my older tracks the other day and I was like oh you know I could have done that better and I could have done that better and it's actually like technical things like I could have edited those cuts um, more smoothly yeah, if yeah. I knew at that time how to, how to do it yeah. the way that I know how to do it now. And that's, sure, I mean, I guess if I'd, I don't know, had someone standing behind my shoulder all the time telling me how to do it, then maybe I would have already done it that way back then. Yeah. But at the same time, I think the way that I do things, like really having control over my my creative vision, I am going to make mistakes mistakes I'm saying you know like sort of um what is a mistake but just an opportunity to progress exactly (laughs) yeah um yeah don't be afraid of making mistakes I think is my first thing and also one of the other things about making mistakes which is really beautiful like sometimes I'll be moving midi clips around in my session and I put something somewhere and I think it's going to sound a certain way, but then it turns out I put it in completely the wrong section or whatever, yeah, yeah. but it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, my, it's not like I had this genius idea and came yeah. up with it myself. <laughs> it was just like, I just got messed up and like got lost in my session and yeah. made a mistake, so to say. Um, but then, but then it sounded awesome. So uh, I would definitely recommend making mistakes. In fact, um, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. brilliant advice. Wow! Listen, Jess, thank you. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your great conversation. Oh, thank, thank you for having here. me. It's so nice to just talk about what I do. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got one more song from you. Can you introduce the second song for us? So I'm Jessica, and the next song is called Superpower. Pew. We have gone as far as anyone can go We are much more than we ever could have known You are my deepest loss
you want to join the Helvetia Rocked community or find out more, check out the website, sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. And if you like what you've heard today, please share it with your friends. Musicians in Conversation is a concept by Natalia Anderson in collaboration with Helvetia Rocked. It's presented and produced by Natalia Anderson. Music is by Jesse Quartz.